What do names like Ben Franklin, J.P. Morgan, Martha Stewart, and Steve Jobs all have in common? They're all among the greatest entrepreneurs of all time. They're people who had the courage, determination, and belief in themselves to pursue a dream, to overcome challenges, and to nurture ideas to fruition. I'm George Boraki, and this is Cityscape. On this week's show, we're exploring what it means to be an entrepreneur. Our guest is Kevin Siskar. He's the managing director of the Founder Institute in New York. He's also the host of the Ambition Today podcast. Kevin helps entrepreneurs launch their companies. At times, many ambitious people who have the qualities to succeed just need a little push to turn their ideas into something tangible. Through a rigorous curriculum, the Founder Institute helps entrepreneurs launch their startups. Kevin, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. So first of all, what's the mission of the Founder Institute? So the mission of FI, um, which we call it for short, is to globalize Silicon Valley. Uh, we're in 150 cities globally. I am the managing director of the New York chapter. And what we mean by globalizing Silicon Valley is really taking the ethos of the valley and, and bringing that out. And we do that a few different ways. So we have a, a global curriculum. It's a 14-week startup accelerator where we help companies at the earliest stage get incorporated, get set up, build their companies, launch. And then also we have uh, an interesting part of the founder students. We have a liquidity pool. So all of the founders in a cohort, all of the mentors that mentor that semester and FI, all participate in that cohort's equity. And then upon a liquidable event, years later, it actually gets paid out to the local ecosystem. Hmm. So in places like New York where you have Wall Street, you know, that might not seem like a big deal, but we're in like Ho Chi Minh, Vietnam, we're in London, we're in India. Uh, and, you know, when you have these moments of uh, an exit and then everyone in these local small ecosystems gets paid back out, it creates a whole bunch of angel investors. It kind of, you know, kicks the flywheel on the ecosystem. They can then invest in the next generation of companies and you globalize Silicon Valley long term. So that's our that's our long term mission. And we can deep dive into a lot of what I just threw out there, uh, if you'd like. Yeah. Yeah, What kind of student do you look for? So we are much more founder focused than company focused because we help companies so early. uh, We kind of have to be. But that's fine because. I'd say we look we look for people that have you know the following traits, um, and we have you know an admissions test that kind of screens for this. We look for people with high fluid intelligence. Agreeableness needs to be like moderate. Uh, surprisingly, as an entrepreneur, you don't want to agree with everything everyone says. You need to know when to uh, when to you know put your foot down and, and when to keep going. We look for people that have professional experience. High openness is important. Being open to to new ideas in the world around you. And then we also flag things, right? So um, if for some reason on the test um, you get flagged high for deceit or passive aggression or, you know, high entitlement, entitlement never never works out uh, as a founder. So how do you test for these things exactly? Is it all just question-based, interview-based as well? Sure. So it, it's a combination. So the admissions test is question-based. It's a combination of like, uh, it's like a personality psych test. Uh, it was made uh, up at the University of Toronto by Jordan, um, who has you know spent the last 25 years kind of building this test and perfecting it. And it's based on the big five personality traits, uh, which go back like 100 years. Uh, high, fluid intelligence, openness, agreeableness, you know, and, and a few more. And um, so it's a combination of puzzles, personality. If you uh, are thinking about taking the test, uh, you can go to fi.co slash join slash DNA. And we've actually kind of taken 
those uh, and built six like molds to it. So you know, there's the innovator, the prodigy, the hustler, the machine, the visionary, and the strategist. Um, and we've kind of benchmarked you know what those skills mean uh, towards your kind of entrepreneurial personality. Um, not everyone fits into one of those, obviously, um, but some do. And so that's something you can uh, you can go check out. Yeah, I was going to ask the question: If you don't intrinsically have these skills, can you develop them? So, I would say yes, um, because I mean we, we see founders grow all the time. You become more open, more, you know. You you become more. You crave feedback after a while, as opposed to the initial like resist. Like I know my idea; I'm the expert, and so I, I think you can. But I think more, most importantly is that the, the reason we look for these things is we know that if you have the foundation, right, of this personality and we apply the accelerator, we apply, you know, all of our mentors each week, uh, all the lectures, you know, all of, you know, the advising and the team building and, you know, the help with fundraising, that you're going to be fine because you could basically take anything that gets thrown at you, uh, apply it the right way, and grow a company. What would you say are the biggest stumbling blocks for individuals to develop a successful company? Oh, my God. I mean, it, it, there's countless, right? I've seen there's, – there's so many ways to get taken out. Um, it could be you know, a co-founder disagreement. It could be you, know, you took bad money from a, from an, a shysty investor. It could be – a disagreement with your significant other who's like, you know, now's not the time. We're having a baby or we're moving, right? Like, there's so many ways. I'd say, you know, the, the best answer to that, almost like on the flip side, is the only time a company fails is when the founder quits. Hmm. And if the, you know, I, I was just talking with a founder the other day and, um, you know, sh- she's, it's really impressive what she's done. She's not only built her company, but she's uh, also started New York Energy Week. And, um, and you know, she, we were talking, me and her, to another founder. And, uh, you know, he was, like, he was being very analytical about it. And, you know, oh, but if my startup idea doesn't work in four months, like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know, we'll just, I'll just go back to work. And, you know, she was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you know, I tested the hypothesis. Like, I was smart about it. Like, I'll just go back to work. She's like, why would you do that? And he was like, because, you, know, you know, it's the smart move. And she's like, no, you just keep trying. Like, they're, they're, that's it. You just keep going because that's the life you chose. And, you, you know, you're clearly not happy at your job. That's why you're quitting to start the company. Why would you go back in four months? Like, just keep going. And so, you know, I would say... My advice is, you know, recognize that as the founder, it's your job to push forward and uh, and don't quit. That raises the question, do you have to quit your job in order to pursue a venture, a new company? So eventually, yes. To start, no. Um, one of the things that we really like, uh, with, I, I personally like about Founder Institute is you don't have to quit your job to get started because that's really what we try to help you figure out. We try to do help you vet that idea Um you know, get it done and, and figure out that you have product market fit, that there's, you know, some sort of customer base, you know, target market here and get to that point where it's safe enough for you to leap into, you know, quitting your job, have some revenue and really focus on this business full time. So eventually, yes, you should always go full time on your venture if it makes sense. But you should also do a significant amount of work beforehand to get there. When you look at companies like Facebook and Airbnb, they were founded by young people. So does age play a factor in entrepreneurship? So it's interesting, right? Some VCs and some angels uh, and investors 
only will like invest in younger and younger people. My personal experience is no. Um, the average age of founders that we get in Founder Institute is 34. Um, and what we find is, you know, people that have that high level of professional experience have a network. And so when you then, you know, imply investor money and they have the right personality and you put that together, you have the perfect storm for them to just capitalize on all of it. You know, to to those one to the Zuckerbergs and the Evan Spiegels at Snapchat and uh, the Kevin Systems at Scram, like, you know, they had great investors and advisors and um i no doubt that that played a role but i think you know the ages it it doesn't matter um it's more about how you approach it and how you get after it what about iq iq you know i i don't i'm not big on iq uh you know which is ironic i know uh, as we have the you know i rely kind of heavily on this admissions test um but i think it's less about intelligence It's more about fluid intelligence. And the difference is fluid intelligence is more about when you're pressed with a new problem that you haven't seen before, right? How quickly can you adapt and learn the new skill set that's required to accomplish that problem? And that is entrepreneurship. Every day, you know, something breaks, something goes wrong, and you might have to learn how to, you know, put together an e-commerce website in, you know, two hours because your template broke or something, or, you know, really, really just change course. And, and fluid intelligence is how well you can do that and how well you can recognize those new patterns as they show up. And I think that is uh, more important, your ability to adapt intelligently than just being smart in general. Where do you see the entrepreneurial spirit alive in you most? Uh, in me, you know, it's interesting. I, um, I, I like creating. If I'm not creating, I don't feel necessarily always fulfilled, um, even though I'm busy, right? So I'm productive, I'm busy. And so I, I also host a podcast called Ambition Today, where I interview a lot of, you know, successful entrepreneurs, founders around New York City. And that fulfills me to some extent. Um, and when I'm not doing it, I am, generally trying to figure out how to get back to it and whether that's you know reworking my calendar or using a new productivity tool um you know it just i think it's important to stay focused uh and you have to give yourself time to be creative it's really hard to be creative if you're always busy what are among the greatest lessons you've learned by doing that podcast and talking with these founders Oh, that's a good question. Um, some of the greatest lessons I've learned. I really like I really like sort of the ideas around self-awareness. I think too often people are not taking a step back and kind of realizing what's going on in their life and in the world. Um, and that inhibits progress, uh, you know, when you're building a company. And so I think, you know, having making sure you're self-aware of your surroundings, your own feelings, especially around stress, because entrepreneurship will fill you with stress and, and it can destroy you. And it won't, you won't know it's destroying you until your body has some, you know, weird reaction like migraines or, you know, panic attacks, but they'll come, right? And so it's important that you, you, you know, you recognize that and you keep that foundation set so you can you can build a company that's strong. I was just talking to uh, Dennis Mortensen. I had him on the podcast recently for, uh, he's for the founder of Extra AI, which is an artificial intelligence company, helps you schedule um, meetings. And, and I, I love this. I'm going to steal this um, because he said, 
I asked him, how do you prevent burnout as, as a serial entrepreneur? The guy has sold three companies. He's on his, on his fifth. He said every weekend, and he lives in Wall Street, he um, puts his sneakers on. He gets on the six train. He takes it up to 125th Street, leaves his phone at home, leaves his headphones at home, leaves everything at home, just him and his sneakers, and he walks back to his apartment. Huh. And it's two and a half hours every week that he just, you know, and he doesn't, like, write things down. He doesn't have a notebook. Like, he just, in his own brain, just takes the time to think and wonder and put everything in the boxes where they belong. Um, and I, I was I was really impressed by that. Um, yeah, just totally disconnect. Be with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and, and take the time to focus on what's really going on in your own head and... You know, he said, you know, by him doing that, you know, come Thursday, he's in a meeting and someone rifles something off and he knows exactly like he just, you know, has the answer because he already spent, you know, the time thinking about this weekend as opposed to watching Netflix, which we all love. (laughs) (laughs) So what are among the successful companies that have come from the Founder Institute? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, many of the listeners have probably heard of Udemy. Uh, which is an online course-taking program that came out of the San Francisco chapter. Here in New York, we have PathGather, uh, another uh, sort of enterprise-based software as a service, um, helps internal companies kind of handle compliance issues, um, but also internal teaching. Fund that flip. It's a real estate uh, investment company for uh, house flippers uh, to get financing. Yeah, we have we have a bunch of them up on the website. We actually just did an infographic this week of uh, sort of the top companies uh, in the Big Apple for FI. So how intense is the <clears throat> curriculum, though? So we run the program boot camp style. So what I mean by that is if you're not keeping pace with the program, you're kindly asked to re-enroll in the next semester. And so um, through that, uh, we usually start a cohort somewhere between like 30 to 35 founders and we usually graduate about 8 to 12 and um, it's intense right because you, you have to incorporate a company that's a big step almost pretty it's, it's a big psychological step right in hindsight you know years later that's just going to become an entity and you're going to assign IP to it and it's really not that big of a deal but in the moment you're you know it makes everything feel very real uh, when you incorporate a company um, that's a big step there's assignments between each week, uh, about 20, 25 hours that you're doing. Most people, some people still have their full-time jobs. Some people are full-time on their company, but that's a big commitment. Um, you know, adding a full-time job plus 30 hours on your company plus, you know, whatever family time you need. And so that's intense. And then there's, you know, you're pitching every two weeks. So the mentors are, you know, giving you very blunt and honest feedback uh, in a safe environment. Um, but we really stress, like, you know, this oftentimes when you pitch your friends and family, they love you. So they tell you very nice things about your brilliant idea. But one of the things we really stress at FI, it's it's a safe place to get honest feedback from experienced people that have built companies before um, on what's working, what's not working, what you need to change. So that can sometimes, uh, if you're not ready for it, be intense. Um, but again, that's another reason we look for, like, you know, high openness, uh, moderate agreeableness uh, on the test. When it comes to mentors, when it comes to people who talk with you for your podcast, it sounds like people who've reached a certain point are very willing to give up some things, to share their knowledge, to help other people be successful. Yeah, I mean, I'd say almost all of our mentors, I think we have 140 now, and it's, you know, everyone from, you know, Scott Hefferman, who's the founder of Meetup, to David Rose, who kind of got angel investing going in New York City are incredibly generous, right? And I think 
a lot of it is they they recognized that when they got started, it was really hard. I mean, a lot of these guys built their first companies early internet, right? But you didn't have Quora, you didn't have all these online resources. There was no there was no accelerators or incubators even, you know, really prior to 2005, uh, 2004. And so they recognize how hard it was. And I think they see themselves in a lot of the founders and they want to give back. Um, and I'd say, you know, you know, God bless them. Like they, they are all just incredibly helpful and just want to help. There's no question there's a big difference between having an idea and executing that idea. So what's your best advice for someone to take idea <clears throat> to execution? Yeah, definitely. So this is this is one of my uh, my like pet peeves. So if you're out there and you're saying to yourself, "I'm I'm just sitting around waiting for a technical co-founder, or I need just need someone to code this app for me," like stop, right? Because there has become so much has come out in the last even just two to three years that you can just build it yourself. And and my advice to founders is this: is you know these two words, be scrappy, right? Just get going. You know whether it's you know throwing something together on Squarespace. Or, you know, hooking up a Zapier recipe to connect some APIs. It, it really doesn't matter what's happening on the back end of the business. If it's polished up front and on the front end, you know, customers are liking it and they're buying it and they're getting, it, you know, an experience from you, do it. And, and you know, even if you have to manually shuffle papers around a table on the back end, it's, you know, my um, analogy for, you know, hacking it together, but... Just just do it and just get going and just start talking to customers um, and get some early revenue in the door because that's going to change the way you think you were going to do everything. So just get to that point and don't don't wait. Just go. Be scrappy. What about securing funders, people to back you up? Sure. So that's the other thing, um, which I'll kind of bring back on my last point there, is to get started, you don't need money, right? Maybe if you're in, you know, science or pharmaceuticals or or maybe even to some extent fintech because there's a lot of regulatory issues there um, and hurdles that you need uh, money to overcome. You could need to just get started. There's a ton you can do before you need fundraising. There's a lot that investors are going to want to see before they give you fundraising. So obviously, you know, the path is start with your friends and family, see what you can get there, go to angel investors. They're much more, much more willing to lend their expertise, but also um, help you out early on. Then you can go to uh, seed funds and Series A funds much, much later. But um, get out there, prove as much traction as you can. Really prove that there's a product market fit, that you have traction, there's a customer base, you have your target market. By doing that, you're going to start to attract some really intelligent, fun people that you want to be around. That'll be your team. They'll add more to the company, right? And you really, there's so much you can do before you need fundraising. But when you do need fundraising, start having those conversations. And my advice with that is, it, venture capital, angel investing, it's not a transactional business. It's a relationship business. So you need to start building those relationships long term and managing expectations, right? And so maybe when you're starting out, you you meet those people, right? But you need to set expectations and, and make it very clear that, you know, I'm not fundraising right now, this moment, but I just want to get to know you. I'm going to keep you posted. Send monthly updates. It's so simple. Just communicate. Send monthly updates. You'll, you will demonstrate uh, that you said you were going to send a monthly update. 
and that you did send a monthly update and you sent it a few times, you'd be amazed at how many how many people don't close the circle on relationships and how just doing that uh, can really build your reputation. Uh, so when you do need to fundraise, the relationships are there. Have you found that entrepreneurship runs in families, even people who come to your program that maybe their dad or their grandfather or their grandma was an entrepreneur as well? Yeah, uh, hands down. I found that. And I, I think I've found that out even more through the podcast. Um, I I had, you know, uh, Amir on, who's the founder of Todoist, um, and he talks about how his, his parents were entrepreneurs and um, he hated it. He hated being the kid of entrepreneurs. Why? Because because vacations weren't vacations. Dad, mom, and dad were co-owners of the business, and they were always on the phone, and you know, and then he fought against it, and he he got jobs, and you know, wanted to to work for an employer. He wanted he wanted he craved the opposite. He wanted the safety and the routine, and um, but he kept building stuff on the side, and he would build it, and um. He built this this to do list app for himself, because there wasn't a good one, and he he had a blog, so he put it out on his blog, and you know, three hundred people downloaded it that day, and uh, now they have like tens of millions of users and you know millions of dollars of revenue, um, but he just can't help himself, right? Like he, it it it's almost I don't, and I'm I'm still trying to figure this out myself. What specifically you call it? Lack of a better term, I would say it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. It's it's an innate innate curiosity around about the world around you, and attacking that curiosity just because you can't help yourself, and you know as you come across problems, solving them. So yes, I would say that there is some sort of you know serial, uh, generational entrepreneurship, something out there. Does it also help to be a disruptor? Because if you look at companies like Uber and Lyft and Airbnb, they all disrupted other industries, whether that be the hotel industry or the taxi industry. It seems that a lot of the success that we're seeing are from disruptors, people who are disrupting what else is going on out there. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of of that word, uh, the disruptors. I think, you know, it's it's an oversimplification, right? Like those companies did were in the right place at the right time, and really, you know, like the, take Uber, right? Because that's everyone's favorite example right now. The the here in New York, like the black cab industry, right? Before Uber, you know, the black cars would drive around town and they'd beep at you, and you you would like scoff at them, be like, I'm not getting in that. Like you're not. Where's your license? You don't have a medallion. Uh, there was no safety, right? And so you would wait for the yellow cab to come by and you get in the yellow cab. And so I think, you know, what Uber did is they built that safety net. They lended them the credibility. Um, and they really now, now Uber is crushing it everywhere. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I'm not sure they disrupted, you know, I guess they didn't disrupt the black cab industry. Uh, they, they improved that. But yeah, they're disrupting the taxi industry to some extent. But also, they did that to themselves in a, in a way almost. I mean, the price for a medallion in New York City was over a million dollars to run one car, right? Um, and people were treating it like real estate. And, you know, disruption follows also in a, inefficient markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost on those markets to let it have got out of hand in mm-hmm. the first place. It goes back to what you were saying, I guess, finding a solution for problems, things that need fixing. Yeah. 
Are we ripe for anything right now, would you say? Certainly we live in a shared economy. There's no question about that. People like to experience things together. Yeah, I actually think this is a really exciting time for tech and startups. So, you know, there was talk of like a bubble uh, in like the summer of 2015. Then it sort of like, it didn't pop in tech, uh, but it deflated is what everyone has been saying. And since then, you know, I think VCs are looking for new places to put their money. Mobile feels like, mobile has not peaked by any means, right? There's, you know, uh, 7 billion people on the planet, 5 billion have access to the internet, but only 2 billion have access to mobile. So basically, you know, when most of those people get, the, uh, you know, and this is why Facebook and Google do those big initiatives, the internet's going to double, right? So the internet's not going to stop growing, mobile's not going to stop growing, but the rapidness, the rapid pace at which it's grown from, you know, 2005 uh, through now is slowing down. And so they're looking for new places to put money. Um, and so I think there's a lot of exciting stuff coming coming forward. You know, uh, I guess you know the the best analogy is you know Steve Jobs was the entrepreneur of the time, Apple, mobile, and now it's Elon, right? And so there's a lot of people looking to what is being called frontier technology. A lot more venture capitalists are looking less towards tech and more towards uh, hard sciences. Um, you know, uh, I was talking to a founder last night that uh, has found uh, a way to shrink the size of nanotubes. 14 nanometers to 10 nanometers and because they can do that they can target a new cancer uh, cell that could cure like a specific form of cancer right like there's a lot of that going on Um, a lot of hard sciences um, and then you know new terms are going to come around for tech too right like artificial intelligence is like the the new hot term uh, almost like big data like if your company doesn't have an AI strategy you need to figure one out how amazed are you by the minds that you get to work with day in and day out? I mean, I, I love it. That's part of the reason I do what I do is, you know, uh, every week we have the accelerator. I say, you know, like I'd say Wednesday night, Thursday, you know, I'm just energized. Um, I, I really love I love being around people that are working to take something in their brain and manifest it into the world and are cooperative and open-minded and intelligent and think fast. And um, no, I absolutely love it. I love what I do and I, I, I love helping founders. So who haven't you talked to yet for the podcast that you really want on the show? Who do I really want on the show? Well, Elon Musk would be cool. But uh, I think, you know, I really want to talk to either Tim Ferriss or Chris Saka. Uh, Tim Ferriss is the author of Four Hour Work Week, um, and now this his new book Tools of Titans. And uh, Chris Saka is from my hometown, Buffalo. Uh, so go Bills if you're listening out there. And um, uh, he's he's a shark on Shark Tank now. He's you know kind of paved the way for venture capitalists uh, at the early stage. So I'd love to have him on. What do you think of Shark Tank? By the way, clearly it inspires a lot of people to want to pursue their dreams. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I think it inspi- it inspires kids, right? Like. Kids want to start companies. They sit with their parents. They watch the show. I think it's probably one of the better shows on TV right now. I, I, I really enjoy watching it. I think, you know, even just having people get to think about the deals and how they get structured, um, it's great. So, again, if you want to test your own ability to become an entrepreneur, you can do that on your site, whether or not you want to join in. Yeah. I mean, so if you just go to fi.co slash join slash DNA, You'll see the uh, the test, uh, sort of the DNA profiles, the traits, 
Um, and we have semesters. We're in 150 cities globally, and so you know, we're we're I, I'm I'm running New York. The new chapter, new semester starting in the spring, um, and we have admissions open now. And yeah, if you're, if you're thinking about starting a company, I would encourage you to uh, to check out the Founder Institute. And even if you just want to take the test, you can take the test. I'm seeing a couple of your sample questions here. Select the missing design from the options on the right to replace the question marks on the left. What's going on with that question? Uh, yeah, so it's just, you know, it's a, it's a lot of logic problems. And a lot of these, you know, are really kind of testing those those big five personality traits, those skills. And I actually other, don't know yeah. the answer to this specific question, but... <laughs> Uh, the test takes like 45 minutes to an hour to take. So okay. uh, what's the other one? The, you have the part two personality. For the pair of statements below, select the one that describes you the best. Both may be true, but which is most you? A, have a good word for everyone. B, carry the conversation to a higher level. My choice would be B, but uh, I don't know if that's the correct answer. I don't think there is a correct answer. Yeah, I was going uh, to say, is there one on that? Yeah. Uh, a lot of it is just, you know, I think it's more of uh, putting you on the scale or the spectrum, uh, you know, A to Z where you fall on the, on the test. Yeah. And I also love the descriptions of the various characteristics, the various uh, traits that you have. You're the innovator, the hustler, the machine, the prodigy. And again, that's all outlined on your website as well if someone wants to determine who they might be, huh? Yeah. And I mean, and a lot of those are based on real people because like like Elon is a mentor in the San Francisco chapter. And the, a lot of the mentors have taken the test, and so a lot of these, um, a lot of these, you know, uh, profiles, but also the test. What is a good test score is based on some of these, you know, big entrepreneurs uh, from our day, and um, and yeah. Kevin, thanks so much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That was Kevin Siskar, the managing director of the Founder Institute in New York. They're online at fi.co. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. My thanks to producer Claire Drake. I'm George Boldarki. Thanks so much for listening. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.